0: folks, and welcome once again to the CIAC cast. We're very happy you've decided to spend a little time with us this week. My, I am Joel Cookson, your host, and we're happy to uh, have you along as... Suggested last week, we've got some more championship recaps for you this week, though we'll be a little shorter this time than we've been in the uh, previous editions as just a pair of guests joining us this week on the CIAC cast. But both should be providing some excellent conversations. We'll have John Nash from the Norwalk Hour with us to talk girls and boys lacrosse and some track and field. And then Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American will be stopping by to talk about some boys' volleyball and baseball and softball as well, and a little bit of CIAC championship history. So some excellent guests that we're looking forward to those conversations. Hope you folks are looking forward to it as well as we dive in, and we'll get to those in a moment. But first, it's time for Things You Might Have Missed on CIACsports.com few new items on the website this week. Most recently, some new information from the National Federation, uh, the parent organization for the CIAC. The NFHS's Sports Medicine Advisory Committee released some new position statements regarding a variety of sports medicine issues. Those are the the committee that dictates a little bit of the policies that sort of cover how injuries and things are treated and the positions that the national and state associations take. So the new story includes links to the full position statements that have been released this week, as well as all of the committee's statements on various issues from previous uh, releases. So inclu- encourage folks to check out those links for some very important information. Also on the website, former Cheshire swimming coach Ed Aston was a guest on the CIAC cast a few months ago, and next week he will be honored with induction into the NFHS High School Sports Hall of Fame at the national meeting uh, in Denver, Colorado, and in honor of that, there is now a feature profile of him up on CIACsports.com detailing his amazing career, his philosophy, methods, and all sorts of good stuff. So hope folks will check that out as well, and uh, just a few sort of recurring items. Here mentioned last week, but to mention it again, information for the fall sports season, including schedules, tournament packets, and tournament dates are now available on the website. So keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out for more stuff on the fall season coming in the next few weeks and also re-mentioning that all of the spring championship information you might want is at tournament central if you go there you can find photo links to photos and links to video as well as information and in brackets from the championships and then if you search for linked up we've had two spring championship editions of linked up in the past few weeks providing coverage from the local papers for the CIAC Spring Championship. So lots of good stuff if you are still trying to remember those Spring Championships. It's been a few weeks now. We're starting to slowly inch our way into the summer, but want to make sure we give full coverage to those championships that took place just a few weeks ago. And speaking of those championships and recaps from local papers, let's get right to our first guest who had numerous teams from his coverage area claiming championships in both girls and boys lacrosse this spring, and he was on hand for many of those championships, so we wanted to chat with him about what he saw and what were the big stories. Very happy to be chatting now with John Nash, who's the managing editor of the Hour Papers in uh, Norwalk, and a busy uh, spring season for those folks there in that uh, part of the state. John, thanks for joining us.
1: Ah, oh, my pleasure, Joel. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Certainly happy to have you on. As I said, a uh, a very busy and uh productive uh spring season for the schools in your area. We're going to particularly talk some uh boys and girls lacrosse here. It was a a big year for uh for many of the schools in in your region and uh I know you were on hand for the uh the Western Girls winning the class S title and uh, New Canaan outlasting another team uh, from your area, Wilton, in the Class M girls lacrosse title. So what stood out to you, uh, we'll start with, what stood out to you from those two uh, championship games with uh, Weston and New Canaan earning uh, girls lacrosse championships?
1: I think probably just the one thing that's always impressed me in the five years I've been in Connecticut is the, the level of lacrosse at both levels, the boys' level, girls' level. Mm-hmm. Just it. it, it watch these kids and you you forget that
0: that Fairfield county has uh, in boys and girls lacrosse and you know I think the rest of the state uh, has shown signs of catching up at times, but this was certainly a, a kind of restating of their uh, their success this uh, this spring in the championships in boys and girls um, you also on the boys side had Weston capture a title and then also had uh, Wilton and Staples from your area advance to uh, to championship games, although they ultimately came short came up short. Um, you know, you've seen many of these teams throughout the years. What was sort of your takeaways from the uh, the boys' lacrosse side in, in in your region this year?
1: The biggest shock was absolutely Wilton. Uh, they were decimated by graduation last year. They came into the season knowing that they were going to rebuild. Uh, they hit a bump, bumpy road midway through the season as, as they lost three players, all of which were, were periodic starters, were, were removed from the team for uh, disciplinary reasons, and yet still... You know, John Wiseman, the head coach there, gets his team peaking at the right time every season because this was his third state championship game in five years and the second one that they won. And and you don't think of Walton Lacrosse as Cinderella, but certainly they came in. I can't remember the exact seed right now, but they were barely a 500 team during the regular season. Go on the road and beat North Haven. Uh, go up to Avon and uh, knock off an undefeated Avon team. And, again, that's where you, you talk about the uh, – uh, Fairfield County being stronger than, than the rest of the state, which I do agree with you, is catching up slowly but surely. But it still shows the, the power when a 500 team from, from Fairfield County can beat an undefeated team. Because you know, regardless of league, when you go undefeated, you know you have a good team. Yeah. And then obviously knocking off league rival Darianne in the quarterfinals at that point just gave them such a huge boost of confidence that you almost wondered if destiny was working its magic again for that team. And, and sure enough. Uh, I actually covered their semifinal game when they beat uh, uh, I can't even remember who it was now. I see so many games, but it was, <laughs> I know it was at Taft Field at Ludlow, and they scored 10 goals and 10 different players scored one goal each. Uh, it was New Fairfield uh, yep. to allow them to, to make it to the final. So I mean, you know, they, they just they've had so many great players over the last five or six years. You know, players that have set school records at, at a school that is known for lacrosse. And but this year they were just a total opposite type of team. You know, from player one down to player 30 on the roster, you know, they, they were that team that had to come together as one and, and make it to the state championship game and, in this case, win it.
0: Yeah, and I, I had the, the fortune of being at that, that boys' class M final, and I think the word you used, uh, confidence, was was. This was certainly apt to describe that, you know you' are talking about their inexperience. you would not have known it watching them play. you know it's sort of the the underdog even in the championship game, uh at least on paper against joel barlow and uh you know even they had a lead, and then Joel Barlow started to sort of chip away at it, and you didn't see any panic at all um from that team, so it was certainly in a an impressive run and so you you sort of uh answered this question a little bit, but we'll we'll kind of dive into it anyway. Um, you know, of the teams that did reach the finals or, or win championships from your area, were any of them uh, particularly surprising for you? Uh, maybe with the exception of the Wilton Boys, as you just talked about.
1: Um, Staples, in its own way, again, because you know the class—excuse me—the class double o, or the class L field, you know, had Ridgefield, it had Greenwich, it had Fairfield Prep, and a lot of that's going to depend on you know what type of seating you get, how rough your road's going to get. But but Staples was a team that all. Throughout the regular season was kind of you know on the cusp of you know can they can they have a special season can they do it you know certainly Paul McNulty their their head coach uh, uh, and the former Wilton coach, has, has you know he's one of the Fairfield County's best coaches he's proven it year in and year out and mm-hmm. you know, he's returned to his alma mater and and his goal was to make Staples Lacrosse you know a contender every season and they've certainly done that and you know twice they lost to Greenwich during the regular season and again you know it's the old uh, uh, the old cliche of it's hard to beat a team three times in one season, and and Staples got Greenwich that third time around, and, and we know how great Greenwich is down here in Fairfield County. So, uh, you know, again, that that was another team that if you're peaking at the right time, and and you know, you get by that one game that you may not have gotten by during the regular season, who knows what can happen in the state tournament? Because the the seedings are so crazy that you don't know what kind of road you're going to get, and uh, certainly for them to to get you know, into the state championship game was, was a, a, a great job by the records. Uh, and then of course you run into Fairfield prep, you're in a position to win and then prep just becomes prep. And, and I believe it was a seven goal explosion there in the uh, second half. And it kind of allowed them to pull away. But, uh, you know, St- Staples had the potential to get to a state final. I don't know if I would have, you know, said when the tournament started that they're definitely going to be there. Yep. Uh, but, again, you know, they were, and that's a credit to the coaching staff and the players who, who put on the uniforms every day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a a great run and a great tournament really, as you said uh, throughout the uh, the year in the in those boys and girls lacrosse, you know, really I think noticing the the balance that is starting to to develop in those sports and and you know, certainly within within Fairfield County, there's such competitiveness between the teams uh when they when they match up in the championships. Um, with the success that these teams had, you know, in the postseason, what sort of jumped out to you as maybe the biggest story from among all these successful teams, either within the postseason or, or even sort of throughout the whole, whole year uh, with some of these squads?
1: Well, I, mean, I mean, there's so many of them. You know, you could, could literally look at each team and, and just find a storyline that, that would just blow you away you know, yeah. from covering high school athletics you know, the games I covered, I think about the Western Girls and and they had two players rewrite the school record books this year. Fran Holmes, uh set the career points mark and Lindsay Koch, uh Broke the career goal scoring mark, you know, mm-hmm. both the same season. Yeah. Uh, they had a girl named Morgan Mubayed uh, who never even picked up a lacrosse stick until she was a freshman, and she became the team MVP out of the midfield just because, <laughs> you know, and she's going to college to play lacrosse now. Taylor Swanton, a uh, young lady who had two, you know, tore both ACLs, missed a whole sophomore season and her whole junior season, comes back on attack this year, stays healthy, and, you know, she walks out a state champion. It's just, just an incredible, so many incredible storylines to to cover there. Uh, again, the Wilton girls, we talked about Casey Pearsall and Megan Bopal, the two girls, you know, seniors, both heading to Division One schools. Yeah. Uh, Casey Pearsall, as a sophomore, was called the best player in the state, bar none, by Lisa Lindley, the Darianne coach. And, and, you know, that's a coach that knows uh, <laughs> lacrosse talent, certainly. Sure, yeah. And, you know, for for those two to miss their senior year, and like I said, the way the young players stepped up and, and grew up over the course of that season was remarkable. You know the Western boys. I don't want to say they came out of nowhere because John Matthews does a great job up there, and the SWC is kind of like the uh, FCX little brother in terms of lacrosse. I think you know the FCAC yeah. gets all the glory, but um, you know Joe Barlow in the final this year. Weston was in a final this year. New Fairfield was in a the semifinal. There's good lacrosse being played up there as well. Absolutely. And for them to get to a final and win the championship, you know, hats off to them as well. It's just everywhere you looked, there were so many great storylines that. You know, in this, in this day and age of, of shrinking newspapers, it was hard to get them all in the paper, it seemed. That's why <laughs> yeah. we're glad the Internet is infinite. We can do that things like true. this and, can, and keep talking about them.
0: Exactly. And you can write those stories as long as you want. There's uh, there's infinite space there. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you talked, obviously, some some great players and, and stories. Did you see sort of any players that emerged uh, to particularly catch your attention during the, the tournament, um, you know, that kind of helped these teams towards their, their championship runs?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I think about the boys, and, and you think about kids like uh, uh, Brendan Devane for Wilton, who, you know, again, had been playing in the shadow of, of so many of these, these older players over the years, and then he emerged to be a real leader up front. Uh, one of the other fun stories was Ryan Braymeyer uh, from Wilton, who his, son, his dad is the daring end coach, Jeff Braymeyer. He comes back from another ACL injury, which I guess is a common theme for the past season. <laughs> Comes in two thirds of the way through, and that really played a key role in Wilton clicking offensively. So you know, there was there was that whole thing. Um, Connor Johnson, the kid they call CJ, who's the goalie for Wilton, you know, taking over full time duties. You know, last year settling into that role, becoming one of the better better goalies around. Over at Staples, you know, Joey Zelkowitz, everybody knows him as a football player and you know just a great athlete. Yet. Many of them that you know, it's it's almost hard to pinpoint. You know which one might have been the best. Uh, sure. I, I think out of everybody though, the, the the one player who to me has always made the difference for Wilton is, is a young man named Ted Ottens who is the uh, uh, the faceoff guy for them. Mm-hmm. And I remember when John Wiseman showed up at Wilton five years ago, he always preached how what a key role possession was. And Ottens is a kid that will, will go out there and win fourteen of seventeen faceoffs. And when you're getting that many face-offs and getting that many opportunities to score, you know, that's a big part of the battle right
0: there. And, and he's just
1: been unbelievable for that team for the last uh, two seasons.
0: Absolutely. It's a, certainly a, a key factor, as, I, as you say, watching, you know, catching some of the championship games. I was able to, to catch a few of them at the uh, at the boys' championship and the girls'. And yeah, the possession is, is such a massive, massive factor, uh, particularly even in the girls' game, I think, where, you know, you, the, the team that's able to, to gain possessions on the draw is, uh, is really able to control the action. Uh, we're focusing on lacrosse here, and obviously because it was such a, a good year for the teams in your area, but wanted to, to quickly ask you about uh, what you were doing this past weekend, Um, and I I think this is something we're going to get into in a little more specifics uh, with some other podcast guests probably next week, but um, I know you were down in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, covering the the New Balance National Track and Field Championships, where uh, a number of Connecticut runners uh, and competitors performed uh, very admirably and represented the state very well. Um, but just sort of wanted to talk, I guess, more about just the experience of, of being down there and what it was sort of like to see these kids from, you know, Connecticut, by by most measures, a pretty small state uh, performing so well on that national stage. What was the, the sort of experience of covering that like for you? you know I've
1: been in this business for 25 plus years you know I can't even do the math anymore without a calculator that's how long it's been to me this was one of the most just I was in awe of those kids and what they were doing uh you know because it was at that level I mean they were they were some of the the best national high school athletes in in the country there uh, there was a story in one of the North Carolina newspapers about a kid that was being recruited by for, by Auburn in Alabama to play football, and he was, you know, the number one two seed in, in one of the events down there, and the, the level of just athleticism down there was phenomenal, and, and you know, I, I'm a former triple jumper that never broke forty feet, and I'm watching these high school kids pop fifty one, fifty two feet jumps, going unbelievable,
0: and and in our, our our
1: events. The Connecticut kids shined. They really yeah. did. We had 13 of our kids, local uh, to the hour, we had 13 kids, I believe it was, that went down there. Ten of them ended up going All-American status, and we had two national champions. Henry Wynn, who is, you know, the be- the greatest distance runner the state's ever produced. He holds two state records. He's going to Virginia. Uh, you know, with apologies to all the other great runners like, like Don Cabrel and and those guys out there. You know, this kid's something special. He yep. goes up and, and wins, the, you know, the mile run, national championship, four minutes, seven seconds. Uh, the, the job him and his team did in the 4 by 800 uh, halfway through the race, they were next to last out of 17 runners. They ended up finishing third. You know, Henry Wynn r- runs a 148 split, just phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, ditto for the girl side. Uh, Emily Savage, the pole vault out of Weston, wins the national championship. Uh, she was one miss away from being out of the competition and not placing at all, and she clears her third jump at 12-6 and, and, and change, clears the next jump with no problem, and then just sat there and watched everybody else miss to win the national title, and just a great job, and of course, I, I, I can't leave out Hannah debalsey, the little freshman from Staples, yeah, who uh finished third in the in the two mile. I actually wrote a column in today's paper about what a gutsy little runner she is. You know, maybe five one if she weighs a hundred pounds, soaking wet, you know, that that's a good day for her. Yeah. But she's got one of the biggest hearts in the world and and she was going head to head in that two mile with a young lady from Raleigh, North Carolina named Wesley Frazier who won the mile, the two mile and the five K <laughs> and with like three laps to go. Hannah said, okay, if I'm going to win this, i got to make my move now because Hannah doesn't have much of a kick. She knows it, and that's the one part of the game she has to work on. But, you know, she went for it. And she ended up getting caught. And, you know, I mean, this other girl's a senior and a great runner. But just the, the guts that she showed that she knew she was in a position to win a national championship as a freshman made the move, challenged, you know, the, the best distance, probably second-best distance runner in, in the country when you think about Mary Kane, who didn't run, but that's neither Hannah nor there. We're talking Connecticut kids. And and just the, the fortitude that she showed to, to try to do that was just phenomenal. And, you know, up and down the state, you know, I saw kids from from, from Bloomfield who performed well. Uh, I think a, a t- there was a Tallinn girl who was outstanding. I met her dad. And a girl from EO Stores who, you know, placed in the long jump. It was just everywhere you turned around, you'd hear Connecticut over the loudspeaker when they were introducing kids. And it was a great feeling, you know, now representing Connecticut, living in Connecticut, seeing what a great year it was for track and field.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's been I, I feel like it's it's been easy to almost take for granted, you know, because these kids have been so good on the national stage now for, you know, a year or two to sort of take for granted what they've been doing. But the the reality is we may not see, uh, you know, athletes of this caliber uh, in the state for for quite some time. So it's uh, it certainly can't quite praise them enough. I don't think the uh, the kind of performances and it sure must have been uh, exciting to uh, to see them star in, in person like that on such a big stage.
1: I think that's what made it best for me was, you know, being there, like you said, seeing it in person and not just looking at the results as they came in on a computer.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I know
1: the kids appreciated me being down there. Uh, you know, i got to thank my publisher for, you know, clearing up some money for me to go down there, too. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just had a feeling it was going to be a special meet, and, and sure enough, it was. So we got lucky on that one.
0: Yeah, it's certainly uh certainly exciting stuff. So, John Nash, we uh we thank you very much. You can find all of uh John's stuff, all of his great uh photographs from the championships as well as stories from from Greensboro and other places at uh thehour.com. Encourage folks to check that out and uh John, thanks for uh for being with us to offer some perspective on what was a very very good spring for uh the schools in your region. We appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure, Joel, and hopefully we'll catch up in the fall because it's going to be another school year and I can't wait. All right, me too. Very good conversation there from John Nash. We appreciate his insight and I encourage you to check out all of his work at thehour.com. Great photos, great stories, all kinds of good stuff. From him, we move along now. Last week, we talked about the Staples Boys Volleyball Championships. Wanted to make sure we could cover uh, both of the volleyball championship teams, which happened to not be in the same area at all. So we had to go to a different reporter, and he's also going to talk with us about a few other uh, important events that went on in his coverage area as well. So we got in touch with Kyle Brennan of the Republican American. So we have another first-time guest here on the podcast, very happy to be talking with Kyle Brennan, writer for the Republican American and the Citizens News and also the uh, the excellent NVL football blog, which I'm sure we'll be talking to him a, a little bit later in the summer as well about some different topics, but wanted to get in touch with him to talk to about a few things that took place during the championship season. So Kyle, thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks a lot for having me
0: certainly uh, a pleasure to talk to you, and so we've got a few a few items to cover here. The first off is uh something that sort of emerged as is really surprisingly one of the big stories of the spring championship season, and that is the the success of oxford high school um specifically want to talk at first about the volleyball team We talked to uh, class l volleyball championship last week on the podcast and uh wanted to to talk make sure we covered class m as well so the uh you know the Oxford boys volleyball got the ball rolling on their busy busy championship weekend um this wasn't totally unexpected for them after the team you know was the class m runner up last season but you've covered that team a little bit this year what it seemed to you to be the difference for uh for Oxford's volleyball team to take that next step and win the championship this season
2: well you get a sense from that team that they had unfinished business from last year, even though it was their first time in the state final back in 2012. They felt like they they had a team that was good enough to win it, and they were disappointed by the fact that they weren't able to pull it off. So you got a sense this year watching their games, uh, especially I, I got to see their uh, Southwest Conference championship game against Massac. You just got a sense that they were totally on a mission. They were not going to waste any time in any matches. I mean that SWC title game against Massac, and Massac was a good team. That took the Wolverines a whole 48 minutes to win that one, three nothing. So yep. uh, they they were really very focused all year. They ran a very high pace, fast paced offense. Which uh, it's it's I think it's the coach. Uh, you know whatever you'd ideally like to run, I think that's what Oxford was able to do. I mean they were just quick. It was really not much wasted time. They made no secrets. I mean Bobby Costigan was uh, probably if, if he wasn't the best player in the state. Uh, he was right there, and uh, he had a great supporting cast. And they didn't waste any time. Get the ball to him, let him put it down, and uh, let Oxford get out of the gym.
0: Yeah, and they uh, they certainly did that. And really, you know, one of the more dominant seasons we saw from any team kind of in any sport, you know, they were one of just two spring teams to go uh, undefeated and then earn the championship. But do you really think, you know, obviously you mentioned their unfinished business, but do you think that there was a sense that this team had the ability to be this good, or was that a little bit of a surprise maybe just how how kind of dominant they were through the course of the season?
2: No, I think they thought they were going to be this good, to tell you the truth. I mean, they, they had put the goal. I mean, you ask some teams around the state in different sports what their goal is uh, before the season, and everybody ideally would like to say, yeah, we'd love to win the state championship. But there's only a handful of teams, I think, every year that say, yeah, if we don't win the state championship this season, it's going to be a disappointment. And I think that's what Oxford uh, had on its hands there. I mean, they were there in the final the previous year. They lost. They didn't want to do it again. And they felt, with really a young team in 2012, that they were going to have all the parts back to to make that run. And yeah, and, uh, still, I mean, there are guys who are going to be back from this team. You know, you have that setter Pat Cragen, who, you know, he I would challenge a lot of other teams to have someone as good as him. Sure. Um, they, they will lose Bobby Costigan, who uh, multiple-time All-State, I mean, he's just fantastic. But, uh, yeah, that I think that was their goal all the way. I think they expected to, to win the State Championship. They expected to run the table. And after what they did last year and all the parts they had back, it's not entirely surprising what they did.
0: Yeah. They, uh really was an impressive season, and uh, and they capped it with a very impressive run, through the Class M uh, bracket to earn the championship. So we mentioned the big, the big uh, weekend. Uh, now a couple weekends ago for Oxford, starting with volleyball and then ended with softball and baseball, both earning uh, championships uh, this you know this season you said you followed all of those teams a little bit this year. You know, you talked about the expectations for, for boys volleyball, were the, the championships in baseball and softball a little bit of a surprise or were those teams that had sort of been also thinking they had what it took to make championship runs?
2: I think they both uh, had some material to make the runs. Uh, the Oxford baseball team was really the more surprising one. I mean, they, uh, had not made the tournament. They just fell short last year. I mean, they were only in their fifth varsity season, as as are all of these Wolverines teams. And sure. that first season five years ago, they were one and nineteen. I mean, they had. It's a good ball club, as evidenced obviously by their state championship. But
0: sure. you know, they came
2: in as a sixth seed. Um, they had to really grind out some wins. They had they had a, an eleven inning game against East Granby after their bye. Uh, they were trailing Thomaston late in that game before they kind of pulled away. Uh, they had to hold off uh, Old Lime in the semifinals in a 3-2 game and then really just played such a fundamentally strong game in that final uh, to upset Cromwell, who, who a lot of folks had penciled in before the season as the Class of chance champ. Um, yeah. You turn over to the softball team, and that's, that's a squad who, again, really young, and you can compare that to the volleyball team last year. They were about as young as the team can get. They had a freshman pitcher, and athlete, Gillette, who uh, carried them to the SWC title, and, and you take a look at some teams in that conference. You know, you get Mastic there every single year, and yeah. the, to win a championship over Mastic is something. Um, so th- they definitely had the part. Gillette as a sophomore, uh, she's about as good a pitcher as anyone can ask for. So I think, with her especially, you know, softball is a different game. If you've got that pitcher, you can you can make that run. And with her, it was kind of expected for them to make a run, now, win the championship. Uh, i'm not sure everyone expected that, but that was on the radar uh, for the softball team for sure
0: yeah, and uh, you mentioned the the performance of their pitcher there uh, certainly saw uh, what the the impact that having a, an ace hurler can have particularly in softball uh, they can really help carry you through a tournament and uh, and that's what what Oxford was able to do so one of the reasons uh, we wanted to talk to you obviously with this this three championships at one school in one weekend in in one season uh, a little bit of a rare occurrence and uh you did some great stuff um on the on the uh some websites talking about basically how rare this is and um you know obviously there's a lot of championship archives just to uh to plug our uh, our own stuff here a little bit so championship yeah. archives are, are plentiful now on com and you really dug into them and, and did a, an incredibly detailed blog post on this, so I wanted to, to get in touch with you and uh, without spoiling too much of your blog post, which I encourage everyone to, to go check out, what were some of the biggest takeaways from your research in terms of how rare it is for, for a school to win three championships in a season or, or this particular you know, group of, of sports or what, kind of, what were sort of the big things that you came away with from that research?
2: Well, yeah, in our uh, our our area here at the Republican American, the greater Waterbury area, you know, it doesn't happen all that often. I mean, we don't have a ton of big schools in the area, so you know, that was one factor. And I was trying to reach back in my own memory and try to think, uh, you know, when has this happened around here? So that was really the impetus around it. Um, so I went into to all the uh, to the all the old archives on the uh, CIAC website and uh, did a nice uh, little infographic here in the Republican American Strike Zone blog and. Uh, we came down, uh, we poured over about 4,500-plus championships, so there was plenty of work for a few days going on. But, uh, yeah, Oxford, it turns out that uh, Oxford High School is the 21st school to ever win three championships in one season. Uh, it's happened 63 times, so you get a sense that some schools obviously have a bit of a knack for it. Um, and 39 of these 63 times, they've had them since 2001 now. I mean, you can look at that and say there's been more sports added uh, since 2001. That was
0: right. the year
2: that the boys' volleyball was started being contested. Uh, you had girls' lacrosse, I think, was right around that time. Yep. And even a little bit further back, you had boys' lacrosse, which is only 95. So there are some newer sports, and some of the older teams didn't have as many chances. But you get a sense as time moves on here that uh, there there are more chances and more teams pulling it off. Um and we took a look to see which schools uh, really can do this the most. And it's really no surprise down in Fairfield County. They they have the best uh, chances to do it. There's some bigger schools down there, especially the ones that offer sports that not every school uh, is able to offer. Uh, they have a, a very vibrant lacrosse community down in southwest Connecticut. So a lot of those titles, uh, field hockey also down there, they have very good tennis mm-hmm. and Everything. So New Canaan has done it 14 times, we found out, and right behind them is Darien, and then Staples, Weston, Danbury, and Greenwich. They're all kind of bringing it up there, and uh, those are all Southwest Connecticut schools. So Sure. Um, so you take a look at some of the smaller schools away from Fairfield County that have done it. You've got Avon's done it once, Berlin's done it once, Coggenchog, East Catholic, Farmington, Fitch, Granby, Nor- uh, tree Academy, Sinsbury, Suffield, and now uh, Oxford's joined the mix. And, uh, you know, not to be overlooked, New Canaan did the same thing this year. They were, they were able to win three championships in this spring. So we, get two times in the same, uh, one season, which is kind of a rare feat, too. But, uh, it was pretty cool. We, uh, took a look and just to see kind of an overall question of, you know, which one is the toughest triple to pull? This is the first yeah. time, uh, Oxford that, uh, a team has won baseball, softball, and boys volleyball in the mm-hmm. same season. There's only been a handful that have won baseball and softball with anything else. Um, so it's, it was pretty cool to, to go look back and see, you know, how rare a thing is. You, you generally expect a bigger school with more athletes and you know, more of a, a community to pluck from to, to have uh, the success. And I think that's one of the things that made Oxford uh, unique this year. They're one of the smaller schools in Connecticut, and uh, they were able to pull it off. And it was pretty cool. You, you, all of the teams at Oxford were, were really rooting for each other for the whole thing. You had uh, the softball team went right from their game at West Haven right up to the baseball game in Middletown that same day and rooted for the baseball team and they were both the volleyball game and the volleyball guys were at the Diamonds. so it was really cool to see the, the small community uh, pull together like that.
0: Yeah, that is great and, and certainly you know that's part of the part of the fun of, of high school sports is it's uh, it's all you know sort of part of all part of the the school community. In um, kind of looking through the research, were there any you know, sports or seasons where these sort of triple championships were the most common, you know, or, or either with the big schools or the small schools in terms of, you know, what sports kind of maybe lend themselves to to this kind of doubling up or tripling up in this case uh, from your research?
2: Yeah, you, over the last few years, especially lacrosse has been pretty popular. You've got Darien over the last uh, about six, seven years. They've been able to team up boys and girls lacrosse championships. Um, some schools, uh, New Canaan, I think they've doubled up some uh, Boys and uh, Girls Tennis Championships. Mm -hmm. Um, So you you get those sense. Again, those are some of uh, the sports down in Fairfield County, especially where those sports uh, thrive a bit more than than maybe here in the Naugatuck Valley or uh, over in eastern Connecticut. So um, it's that variance of sports that helps them out. But that generally seemed to be the case. The the most common ones were to double up on either lacrosse or tennis. Um, You get some... uh, the, The headline sports, obviously, they're a little bit more rare. You've got um Among the seasons that we tallied up um with two big sports we call them it was either baseball softball football soccer uh, girls' volleyball, or basketball that 's the ones that we counted as the big ones uh Only two schools have done it with football it was New canaan back in one they teamed up with girls soccer and girls cross country and then Cheshire back in ninety seven they
0: did mm-hmm.
2: football girls' volleyball, and girls swimming so okay. It's pretty neat to see all the different little combinations. There's actually been some schools who have won four in a season. Um they've uh all sorts of different little combinations there. None of the huge ones, but most of them again from Fairfield County. So uh, yeah. just interesting to see just the different little dynamics. We got a lot of charts on here. We got a lot of different little tables, and uh, with all the research that we put together in the first place, you know, hopefully we'll be able to uh, dive in and uh, check out some more stuff in the future here.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to have a, a resource ready to go the next time something uh, unique happens. So I certainly encourage folks to check that out on the uh, Republican American website. Their their excellent Strike Zone blog covers covering uh, baseball and softball that gets into that and, and goes into the, the success that Oxford had this year. So I encourage folks to do that. And, and uh, as Kyle said, there is a a document on CICsports.com. You can download an Excel file with all this information if, if fans want to, uh, to to try to outdo Kyle and uh, outdo his research <laughs> and, and see what they can come up with. We certainly uh, encourage folks. The, the information is up there for, for people to use. So we encourage that as well. Kyle, uh, excellent stuff, and uh, as I said, I'm sure we will uh, get back in touch with you as uh, the pads start to go on for football season uh, You know, towards the end of the summer and uh, start looking ahead to that as well as we start to, to wrap up spring now. But thanks very much for your, uh, your, your insight and your great research on this stuff. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Joe really enjoyed that chat with Kyle Brennan and appreciate his exhaustive research into the championship histories uh, certainly uh, nice to see someone dig right into that and figure out all of the interesting permutations of the the championship triples that he came up with so encourage folks to check out that uh, that blog post of his at the strike zone at the uh, repam.com and uh, encourage folks to go and, and play around themselves with the uh, archives, the championship archives database on sports.com A lot of fun to dig into those and sort of see what you can come up with. Get yourself ready for the fall season, see what uh, teams might be trying to do in terms of historical championships and things like that that is going to do it for this edition of the CIA of the CIAC cast as i mentioned a little bit shorter this week we've been running long the last few weeks we most likely will not have a podcast for you next week we'll actually be out at the NFHS national meeting in Colorado may try to squeeze one in if we can but it seems unlikely that we'd be able to get it in which case we will be back the following week try to finish our wrap up of the spring sports championships and perhaps start uh, looking ahead to the fall and see what other topics May come up. As always, you can get in touch with us at Cast at castciac.org. You can follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. We thank our guest, uh, John Nash. You can check out his work at thehour.com or follow him on Twitter at Nikon Nash, N I K O N Nash. Uh, on twitter and uh thank kyle brennan you can check him out at a variety of websites the uh nf nvl football blog or at the republican american website and he's on twitter at kyle brennan and then the number one is his twitter handle so thank you to those gentlemen thank you for listening and hope you will be back with us next time here on the ciac cast <laughs>